Jacob Marley is dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the podcast you are about to listen to. I got to hang out with some friends. I went to a friend's wedding. I had a sleepover with my niece and nephew where we watched a wrestling pay-per-view. And we had a <laughs> we had a really good time. And that is exactly how I'm going to describe watching this movie. Heck yeah. Yeah, it was good. Oh my goodness. Let's get into it. I got no time to waste on this one because this is... This, <laughs> that's how you could sum this one up. No time to waste. Christmas yeah. Carol. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's go. This is great. Welcome to Jacob Marley is Dead. This is a podcast where uh, we enjoy the experience of watching a really good version of A Christmas Carol. Heck yeah, we uh, do. <laughs> I am uh, John, your host. And I am Jimmy, his sidekick. And John, we needed this one, man. We have oh, yeah. been on a run of not so great Christmas carols. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I had someone reach out to me on Twitter recently to be like, so do you guys like any versions? <laughs> <laughs> we do, and we like, apparently the versions we like are really old, black and white, because I watched this one in black and white. Yeah, it's Like, old, pretty basic, but still adding some interesting stuff in there. This one is not just the text, friends. Like, this... 1935 version of A Christmas Carol with Seymour Hicks is not just a paint-by-numbers one. There is some new stuff in there. There's yeah. some rearranged stuff in there. And look, this is what I'm talking about when I want to see the good stuff. Like, there's a scene going to come up soon that I am just going to, like, love all over, okay? And you know what? I'm not going to tell you which one because there are several in this movie that I just like, yes, I was literally, John, jumping on my bed with joy like Scrooge, <laughs> hand to God. I was like, yes, 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 this is what I'm talking about. I'm Go. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, we're, we're watching uh, Scrooge. Yeah. Which is a 1935 uh, UK production directed by Henry Edwards, starring Seymour Hicks. Um, this has a couple of interesting distinctions. So uh, this is Seymour Hicks's second time playing this role on film. Really? The previous one being a 1913 silent film, also called Scrooge, which we're definitely going to watch because it's on YouTube. So we'll watch that on the show. Get in there. Um, it's pretty cool. There's some. I, I watched a little bit of it today, and there's some interesting stuff. Uh, when this, when the silent film was released in the U.S., it was called Old Scrooge, which I find funny. I don't know why they're just like Old Scrooge. Old Scrooge, and he gets, <laughs> and he, so clearly he was a younger man when he made the 1913 one. So this must be old, old Scrooge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love um, you, Seymour Hicks. 
<laughs> Speaking of silent films, this is the first or at least the earliest known version of A Christmas Carol with sound. Wow. So it is. I had that th- thought when I was watching it. Yeah. And I, like, I was positive there would be silent movie versions of this before. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. to actually watch the earliest known sound version of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. It's it's funny what lines they feel like are important enough to get recorded right and stuff like that from the text. And we'll see that as we go through here because definitely like that's awesome. And that's an honor for this one. And you know what? It lives up to it. Like, yeah, they, they, oh, definitely. They, they do what they can. And we'll keep gushing later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cinematography of this was heavily influenced by Fritz Lang. Uh, yeah. Uh, German expressionism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I we'll talk about that later (laughs) yeah 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 definitely definitely german expressionism going on here um yeah i don't i don't see any reason for us to beat around the bush with this one i I say we we jump right into it just like this movie we're not gonna waste any time at all we're not gonna screw around let's get right to it john that's right that's right this is jacob marley is dead and we are watching 1935's scrooge in those ships all three on christmas day on christmas day and one was in those ships all three on christmas day in the morning uh so we get opening credits it's literal just like hands turning pages in a book as Re- basic as you can get very similar i guess to the alistair sim oh so you got ha- you got something different than me Okay, so Ooh, interesting. So I tried to watch this two different ways. I watched a YouTube version I found, which yeah. was very low quality and clearly recorded off of someone's VHS tape sure. because it had like the cap, like the closed caption on, and like the music stuff was in the top corner. So I was like, don't want to watch that. I picked the Amazon version, which does mm. one of my, which does one of my least favorite things. It makes it in color. And I, yeah. the picture quality was great, but I didn't like it in color. Yeah, yeah. So you know what I did, John? It was free. So I watched it, but I turned the color off on my TV. And I watched <laughs> it in black and white and I am a happier man for it. And they also, go. they also did this thing. I don't like where they put like new titles over a movie. Mm-hmm. Like that. You see this a lot with like Laurel and Hardy and babes in Toyland or the March of the Woods sure, soldiers, yeah. because everybody just wants their version of the public domain thing to be like branded their way. So I, right. so what did you see John? Cause I did not see a book opening. Yeah. I just got like hands turning pages in the book and that's where the credits were. And they were singing hark the Herald angels sing, which is like, I guess the theme song of every Christmas movie made between 1920 and 1960. It's a good one to go to. I mean, yeah. uh, it, and it's not the last time we'll hear it in this one, but yeah, it was in the Alistair Sim one too. That that was like kind of their, their theme song. It's a pretty safe bet to go with that one. It's a really good Christmas Carol. And also there's this, I don't know. Just it's both. It's very triumphant. Yeah, I you, exactly you, where I was going to yeah. use, but it's triumphant. But it's like there's an edge of humbleness to it too. It's like sure, yeah. we have we have crossed like some sort of crucible, and like now we're on the other side. And let's be happy about it. But like, holy crud, were we on the other side of something a moment ago? Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, and so after after so I, did you get like the steel plate kind of credits? Because I've there's different versions of this that exist. I, the only thing of note, I so what I got was like. So when I watched it on YouTube in the beginning for a second, there was what I thought were the original 1930 
uh, five uh, title cards, which were very basic. But now looking at it, they were clearly just slapped on for like the American release or something. Probably. So yeah. I got like these very standard, like here's Scrooge, an adaptation of a Christmas Carol, then crossfade to the next card and so on. And then the Amazon version was the same thing with a new one for Scrooge. Like it was, mm-hmm. it said Christmas Carol on it, but it was in color. And then yeah. that faded out and it matched up with the version on YouTube's US release one. So I, that's what I was getting up until, I can't remember the quote, but there was like this Dickens quote right before the movie began. That was like yeah. one title card. Yeah. So in my version, that was in a book that was like written on the last page. It was almost like someone was reading a Christmas Carol, except there's like a bunch of film credits at the beginning. It was very nice. It was like a yeah. nice little like, okay. I always like it when they add like the beginning of books and stuff like that in some subtle way like that, or just, or when they end it like that too. That's nice. So now I'm trying to think of, so we've seen how many like straight up adaptations. There's the Alistair Sim one, the musical Scrooge. Uh, we watched the, uh, the other Alistair Sim, the Richard Williams animated one. And we watched the, the Nick Cage one with Simon Callow and whatnot from last week. Those all had narrators, right? Most of them have had some sort of former narrators. Uh, right. I don't remember one for the Patrick Stewart one. There was there one. No, there was at the end. There was at the end of the Patrick Stewart right, one. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Fred gave the narration at the end. So this might be the first version we've seen that didn't have narration. And God. And I don't. I don't think it hurt it at all. I think. I think they really managed to set up this story pretty well. I think that was a really good choice. I mean, they were. It was early enough that they didn't know necessarily what to do right i mean cinema was still in its infancy back then we're talking less than 100 years right this is 1935 cinema had only been around for about 30 years at that point and really only like in a they're still getting their feet wet is what i'm talking about here so they don't know about the narrator rule and all that stuff they just like let's put that on like they're talking (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that's the gimmick Well, let's talk, let's talk about how they set this up. So we get the the foggiest London town. I had the you... first thing I wrote down. <laughs> Foggy London town was alive and well in this version. And being it was in... like they smeared Vaseline on the. Oh my! I just said Vaseline, Vaseline on the thank, lens. Thank God I was watching it in black and white. It would not nearly be as funny as if I was watching it in color. Like it oh, was. Yeah. It was beautiful. And it was, let's talk about it right now because we do see it later. The model is good yeah this london model is gorgeous yeah it's really really nice so we kind of there's like people in the streets and and some christmasy you know goings on and and we pan over to scrooge and marley's no narration we just see the sign scrooge and marley's and then this really nice shot of scrooge from behind just sort of hunched over his desk with his like wild kind of like fly away hair like he's never combed his hair before which immediately communicates like this is a guy who does not take care of himself right we get we get we get a his back is to us. So he does not care about us. He does not care that we are there. It is perfectly frame shot. And as we go on throughout the scene, we just see how bad his clothing is. He doesn't take yeah. care of himself. He doesn't yeah. group like, and, and we'll learn we'll get there, but that's mind is a, blowing. I mean, this movie's great. almost a hundred years old. The visual storytelling is so on point. Oh my God, John, they, they do so much in this. Like it's so great. And we pan, from Scrooge, who has got his back away from us, yeah. To I gotta say, a very well balanced and great performance of Mister Bobby C. Oh my yeah. God, Bob! Bobby Cratchit. C is back. Bo- he is back, baby. I oof. Oh, 
What a great turn for Bob Cratchit here. This is um, an amazing performance. Yeah. He's so cold. He's so small and skinny and cold. And he's at that little thing. And he's just, he's looking at that candle. And he's like, the flame is insulting. Like, hey, hey, yeah. hey, I'm really hot. Yeah, no, no. And it, it's just so you, you feel for Bob. And then Scrooge is watching him. Yeah. Because he Bob does the thing, he goes for the coal, he goes to get the coal, he's gonna put it in, right? And what's Scrooge doing? He's got a mirror <laughs> set up to keep a big brother eye on little Bob Cratchit. Oh my god. It's such good stuff. It's it's really, really good. And there's a lot of moments in this in this film that are these sort of just silent, you're watching characters act, and even through this like old old lens of a 1935 camera they're able to communicate so much about what's going on internally it's, a it's ballet. really impressive it's a ballet yeah. it's a ballet with the camera and the actor's performance and it is there is the dialogue in there but remember a lot of these people were probably were silent actors at one point we oh, know yeah. seymour yeah. was so yeah. like they are great at just communicating the story without the words but now that they're given the words oh here we yeah, go it's good stuff it's good stuff um i'm gonna i'm gonna drop in a piece of the audio here from the there's like a brass band playing in the street the the world's most limp tepid i think it's hark the herald angels sing or it's 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 one of the the christmas i'll I'll drop the sound in here because it undercuts all of the action of this scene and makes it so much funnier way that they're playing it against this just just lukewarm tap water version of this christmas song it's great which just sets the atmosphere perfectly and and we don't and and this is one of the few moments when the movie is allowed to breathe we've already talked about how this movie has like a breakneck pace because they've only got six reels to get in a christmas story i'm sorry a christmas carol and they're gonna use all six that they got but they can only use those six reels yeah, we didn't really talk about the running time. This is only like an hour and 17 minutes long, right? It, it, it's it's really tight. Oh, I must have missed. They must have cut some stuff out of my version because my version was only an hour. Yeah, so there's there's two different versions. So oh. I may talk about some stuff that you didn't see. Oh, I'm This'll jelly. Be interesting. I am j- yeah. J- 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 jelly. <laughs> yeah, so there's later versions that like cut a little bit. So for instance, did you get the charity collectors? I did not get the charity collectors. And... I'm happy they're in one version of this because later yeah. on I'm gonna I was gonna rant about something, but now I don't have to rant because stupid US editors cut out a good part of the movie. So tell yeah. me about this, John. Yeah, so it comes right here. So the charity collectors come in and it's I mean, it's the charity collector scene. The dialogue the dialogue in this script is almost word for word like if they do a line from the text it is the exact line from the text and a lot of the really classic scenes really play out that way um this is if you get a chance go watch it on youtube because it's a really good version of the charity collector scene oh. the charity collectors the their energy against what seymour hicks is doing is scrooge which is this very sad broken 
like almost alcoholic, maybe old man, bitter, just really gruff, bitter. Yeah. And not so he plays it differently. I was I was interested to see how he played it versus the way that Alistair Sim played it, because I feel like Alistair Sim was a really sad. We talked about him as Scrooge, this like sad, disconnected, bitter in his own way. But he was like almost strong and intimidating when he spoke to other people, like his dismissiveness. This Seymour Hicks is, I feel like, almost more in the same school as the Albert Finney. Yes. But more controlled, like definitely a better, I think, a better take on it. I think Finney was maybe took something from here a little bit. Oh, maybe sure. the, yeah. the disheveled stuff. I mean, this could have been Finney's uh, Scrooge, honestly, like yeah. as a child, like watching it. This performance is a man who, and we'll see why later on, is beaten is beaten yeah. down and is just existing almost as like a, a robot an autoton like he's not even like there's no feeling there's no life in him and there's life all around him good bad all extremes and we are shown that and then there is he just just going through the motions and it's and it's a great yeah, I'm, I'm mad i'm missing stuff now <laughs> rough rough lonely old man well yeah i'm interested i'm interested to see what's in and what's out so there's a really funny moment in this charity collector scene where they're trying to talk to him and he's just like moving around the office like taking care of business or whatever and he says the um he says the if they'd better die they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population line and there's a really funny beat where like he says that line and then kind of moves past them and the one charity collector looks over at the other one like did I did I hear that right? Is that what he said? It's a really funny acting moment. It's really good. Um, was it like was it like he's like uh, excuse me baking powder? Is that like how it was like like there was like uh, wait I gotta like is, yeah yeah it, yeah you want to run that by me one more time like that was kind of what it was which is great it's a really good way to sell uh, that line like it's almost so inhuman. So um, I'll say this now. Obviously that line comes back as it always should. When it came back later in the movie. I didn't know it was coming back because I hadn't heard the first time. And I was yeah, worried that's they were a problem. S- yeah, this whomever edited the version that's on Amazon, get your stuff together, buy the cheap ass rights for the UK release, and put that on there. I'm sure it doesn't cost that much money. Put it on in glorious and black and white. It's it's worth it because yeah. I thought what I got as apparently a shortened version of this right was doing the work, but they had to cut some stuff out because of the time periods. Now I'm, I'm mad. I'm happy, but I'm mad. (laughs) So I guess everyone's okay with that. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so they, the, the charity collectors leave. And then, uh, there's this scene where Cratchit kind of goes again, like he's going to refill like the coal and the fire. And this time Scrooge kind of calls him out on it. And this is a really, like a really good exchange because it's kind of them going back and forth and, and Scrooge being like, you know, you you don't like it's clear we're going to have to part ways like you don't have my best interest at heart because you're not the one who's paying for all this coal and stuff. And it's this very like guilt trippy old man like this Scrooge almost reminded me of like a like if you have like a really bitter older relative who's kind of like maybe not in, in the midst of dementia yet, but kind of circling that drain a little bit where uh, it's a little hard to talk to them because they're very like curmudgeonly and set in their ways. Right. They want to guilt trip you too. And they want, and they want, and they, what they want to do is they want you to put them on a pedestal because of how sad they are. Sometimes yeah. I feel like that's happening sometimes with people when they do that. And it's like, no Scrooge, you're just being a right up. You're a jerk right here. Keep being a yeah. jerk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically. And he, he kind of is like, uh interrogating Cratchit a little bit like you're married how many kids do you have and Bob's like oh you know I have half a dozen kids and uh 
you know, there, there's this really good exchange of like, yeah, I know. We're going to talk about it, Jimmy. Oh, We're yeah. Talk I'm, about I it. Just, I'm just smiling the whole movie through. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say right now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, the it, it's an inter- interesting conversation because Scrooge also talks about like, look at me. Like, can I afford to be married? Can I afford to have kids? And Bob's like, well, yeah. And Scrooge is like, no, I can't. I can't afford that, even though obviously he's loaded. Right. So there's this almost like denial with Scrooge in this about how much wealth he has. Like he's got this very like poor person. I don't have enough mindset. It's an interesting twist. It's like almost like he's got kind of a disconnect with reality. I I don't know where it comes from or why he sees it that way. It's an interesting choice. But it's you would think that to look at him because he really is just he's almost like a walking like corpse like and I mean that like he's got stuff hanging off of him his clothes have tears and holes through them he looks and he kind of is a zombie just going like I've said going through the motions yeah which is part of his daily routine is probably chewing out Bob I bet this is not just like a Christmas Eve thing. This is no. probably this is day in day out. You get you definitely get that impression. Um, and then <laughs> there literally there's a music cue, and here comes Fred. So Fred comes busting in, and it's it's literally almost like he brings the music with him because there hasn't been like since I think the charity collectors were there. There's no there's been no scoring. There's been like kind of um, I forget what you call it when the music is actually like part of the scene. Diegetic, it's, it's diegetic. Yeah. And it's really funny because you see Fred coming down the street and he's like full of, you know, vim and vigor and Christmas cheer. And and the music what like is not as lame as it was before. And in he comes and he's Merry Christmasing and all, all the things. And it's really good. It's like he kicks open the front freaking door with presents pretty much falling out of his arms. And like yeah. this Fred is all sorts of my Fred like this Fred comes in he's larger than life the season is just propping him up and he gets into it with Scrooge and I'll be damned if their exchange was one of the most natural like flows of dialogue between a Fred and a Scrooge and a Bob that I've seen in years it all was believable it was great I will say this this Bob has the self-preservation instinct of a lemming. Oh, oh. Well, I because <laughs> he's like applauding Fred literally right after Scrooge directly threatened to fire him. So do you think he like keep like Bob does what he does because he thinks he can like get away with it because Scrooge loves to pick on him so much, you know? I, yeah, I get the impression from this film that like Bob, I think kind of knows that he's never really going to get fired. Like the impression I get from this Scrooge is that he's really set in his ways, which also could include like just having Bob around. And regardless of how well he does his job or how poorly he does his job, like railing on him. Cause I feel like if Bob doesn't do his job super well, it's just an excuse for Scrooge not to pay him as much. Like why is he going to fire somebody who's got six kids and would be desperate enough to work for whatever, you know? Like, it's almost like a good business proposition to keep him around. It's kind of like a weird uh, Dread Pirate Roberts type of situation. Like, good night, Bob. See you yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Probably fire you then. <laughs> yeah. Here's the key to the counting house. I might fire you tomorrow. It's all fine. <laughs> um, 
there's a moment here where like the carolers are singing outside of Scrooge's door and he like reaches up onto his desk like where's my beating stick it's the return of the beating stick and it's like and I was like this is probably Patrick Stewart's Christmas Carol like because he was a young man in like the 60s and 50s yeah who knows like but like that's the, I I love I love a good Scrooge going for the beating stick because it's yeah. of the time period and also it probably would have <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty funny um so yeah after Fred leaves uh you know, they Fred or Scrooge and Bob have their exchange about like taking the day off tomorrow. Very reminiscent. I felt like of the, uh, the Alistair Sim version. Like it's very similar where Bob's like getting Scrooge's scarf. I really feel like watching this film, you can tell that the Alistair Sim version took a lot of cues from this. Well, I think that, and again, we've talked about this before, how previous versions that are definitely really popular versions have influenced future popular versions or just other versions i would love like once we get through enough of these to do a flow chart to be like okay where do certain images and tropes show up and how far do they go and like which versions it's an interesting way to kind of look at it i would i I was thinking the same thing because i was like you could do that with i would actually love to hear the 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 hicks version and the sims version like at the same time and see how they line up right like like yeah okay who's faster who like what Scrooge was definitely just more like performing this line and what Scrooge was like, like Alistair is just kind of performing it. I feel like he's just kind of like freaking hate Christmas, but I know how it goes. I've got, so I'm going to play. I like Hicks freaking is like contempt. Yeah. Yeah. It's glorious. I mean, it's terrifying. And yet with that. And it's the thing is, right. It's not, it's the, it's contempt, but it's like, the same way any like grouchy old person is like intimidating just because they're grouchy and old, but not the same way that Alistair Sim is intimidating because he's got kind of like a gravitas in power. Seymour right. Hicks is is like I said, very similar to Albert Finney in the way that he's a little pathetic mm-hmm. and that almost makes it worse. Right? right. You feel you feel empathy for him just because of how sad and, and crusty he is. It's it's just a depressing man, this Scrooge. It's yeah. and it's gosh i and we're not even out of the counting house yet and i keep gushing on this film yeah there's a lot there's a lot going on here so they leave and um and we get that kind of like everybody going home for christmas sequence and this really awesome montage of the the lord mayor's christmas feast which i thought was a really a really cool addition for a bunch of reasons. Number one, just visually, it was a lot of fun. There was like a lot of fun gags because it's a huge kitchen with all these chefs and all these people like looking in the windows from outside. And the chef is like throwing scraps out to the urchins and the other chefs getting a little drunk on wine. Like it is a honest portrayal of what this Christmas is like in London, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah, every, totally. it's every extreme. It's every version of it. We like, I was worried it was going to be the queen at first. I was like, really? We're going to bring the queen into this thing? Because I see this yeah. woman with a DR come out. No, the mayor of London. Perfectly yeah. reasonable to go yeah. to that extreme. It's great, too, because it's like a throwaway line from the text talking about, like, the Lord Mayor's feast. Right. That's there for, like, half a second and gone. And they turn it into this really great moment to show you, like, this is what the divide in this nation looks like. Because it's this opulent feast and then all of these poor street people just on the outside looking in and and getting whatever scraps they can get thrown out the window it's like a perfect metaphor for victorian london and then they end it by singing god save the queen and everybody's singing god save the queen yeah all the privileged are singing it and they're singing it with pomp and circumstance and yet 
little homeless looking kids <laughs> are yeah. just, they're there and they are singing it. And even though I don't get in my version, get want an ignorance, right? Yeah, I, they're not, they're not in mine either for, for, but what I get here is I get this scene and yeah. I get that these kids are holding on to the monarchy and the establishment and the hope that they're that, that the the government will provide i get that in this moment and if that's at least something that's yeah. something here and and they and while all this is going on we get like these little bits in the kitchen where like they're test like they're like they're trying out like the wine or the cherry or something like that like they're taking little shots the chefs are they're making stuff they're cutting everything up and you see like tiny tim and bob like let, sorry, you just see Bob like going on. Let's not forget Bob's ice scene, okay? Yeah. Bob just glides over the ice. In comparison to last week's episode, where the animated Bob Cratchit does it and looks like a jerk, this one is perfect. He's so happy. He doesn't overstay his welcome. He's not creepy. He just he's like, oh, there's some ice here. I'm a kid at heart. Whee! Yeah. And it's awesome. And then you have this image and i don't want to forget this image because when this happened i was like i am on board with this movie the kitchen where we've been watching them make all the food for the the mayor of london's feast right the window to the kitchen they open it up and they start feeding the kids who are watching Mm -hmm. them just start tossing them i don't know what they're tossing them but they're tossing them food yeah like the scraps of of whatever's kind of left after they make the plates which is insane because on one hand it's beautiful and on the other hand you're like this is insane that they have to do this to ah 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 such a good movie and meanwhile, a lot of this is intercut with these little glimpses of Scrooge sitting in some crappy little tavern, telling the waiter to, you know, go turn the music down, which as a person who's worked in food service, this is an experience that I've had with like crusty older patrons who just can't just have to have it su- such and such a way, like very set in, in kind of what they want and the experience they want to have. The look on his face after Scrooge says, hey, tell him to cut it out. It's like. This yeah, because there's guy. a there's like a band there either in the restaurant or outside outside playing Christmas Christmas music. Yeah, and so he's got to he's got to go do it because Scrooge, old old Scrooge, is telling him to. He's and just the yeah. look of being like, I am going to feel bad about doing this for the rest of my holiday season. Thank you, Mister Scrooge. Thank yeah. you, Mister Scrooge. Oh yeah. yeah. So Scrooge goes home. Through foggy London town. Through foggy London town, yeah. And we get the only actual physical glimpse we see of Jacob Marley in this film, which is a a quick little look at his face appearing in the knocker and then disappearing. And it was subtle. It was super subtle. Yeah. Simple effect and has worked way better than half the things we've seen for this doorknob scene. Like yeah. it's black and white covers up a lot of the special effects and the cracks in that. Right. Right. But this movie doesn't really lean into special effects that much. Yeah, and it only has a couple shots that are really effective and they, and the ones they do use 
are really effective for the time. They hold up. Like, I, like, yeah. like, sure, would we prefer other things or more, like, traditional versions of these? Of course. By 1935, they're about to fight World War II and just got out of the Great Depression. I'm going to cut them some slack here, Jack. So Scrooge is pretty rattled by, by Marley's face. So he goes in the house, and there's this, like, really classic, like, old-school suspenseful music playing as he goes through the house with his candle and his cane, like poking into rooms to see if there's anything going on. Like somebody's conducting it and is angry while they're conducting the music. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm listening to like an old radio play or something. Right. Um, and then once he kind of satisfies, satisfies himself that nothing's going on, he settles in for his gruel. Well, before that, I, I, this is something that I love because it's a s- very simple thing, but he sees his robe on the wall. Right. And he thinks it's Marley and he like goes at it and like, we only see it for a second. It really does look like there's somebody standing there. And then he sure, goes around yeah. it and he's like, he's poking it. And he's like, okay, that's just my code. Okay. And then he kind of humbugs at that moment. Like, okay, this is nothing. Let's go eat some gruel. Ugh. Right. Right. Yeah. His gruel sitting there, which I, this is the first time I've really thought about it. I feel like every time we see this, his gruel is just already there, which means I guess either his, his charwoman leaves it out for him or he just like, sets that there by the fire and then just <laughs> all i mean she must because there's always like a fire there so she must put the fire there before he gets she, home she comes in from 12 to 6 or whatever and does the house up and just like you know then sets the gruel on the fireplace it's going to take a couple hours to get ready whatever and then heads on out i'm sure this you know, setup has never caused the fire once in foggy London town. Oh, so I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure this has yeah. been wonderful practice for the yeah. town. London never burnt to the ground. It's never, fine. never. Um, <laughs> the bells start to ring mm-hmm. and he's looking outside. Like, is it the wind? Is my window open? Really nice kind of building suspense because you have just long enough to settle after the Marley face to get to this point, And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is like a dark, creepy, shabby house, which is almost as shabby as Scrooge. Yeah. Right? The, it, set, the set dressing. I mean, his crappy old chair and everything. It feels like he's like living in an abandoned building. It makes a lot of sense. And also the settling in really also resets us after the quick cuts that we got from the, uh, the London banquet scene, right? The mayor's yeah. banquet. Like we're going fast, 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 fast. And then as Scrooge walks away and now we're in here, we've really taken our time. We are yeah, set. For a movie with such a tight turnaround they really have these moments where it just is like okay let's settle and breathe um at least at this point in the film it does kind of pick up as we go so the bells start to ring and then you hear like the clanking of chains and the door opens and we do not see marley nor will we invisible marley and the first thing he says to scrooge is right no one can see me but you including the audience which is a really really fun little piece of like playing with whether or not this is a real thing that's happening or not so it one could argue here if they choose that this scrooge was having a complete mental breakdown and was just seeing maybe a little senile or something yeah yeah you know and like this was all just happening in his head i love this movie (laughs) yeah yeah uh so this is fun this person is not credited but do you know who plays marley in this no who is it it's claude rains what (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Claude Rains, straight out of Casablanca, is play. Well, this is probably before Casablanca, but yeah, Casablanca, Claude, Claude nineteen forty. Yeah, Claude Claude Rains, uh, soon to be in Casablanca, plays Marley in this uncredited. Wow. Um, 
Was he yeah. a big star at the time? I'm not too familiar with. I mean, I know Casablanca, but like, I feel like a lot of people in this were 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 in like the West End a lot. Like they they're people who sort of. I don't know. There's some names in this that are going to become very big later on. There's some names that were like big at the time, uh, I, but I, it's hard to say like 1930s era UK film is full of people who I think a lot, a lot of folks just don't know anymore. There's a lot of like lack of preservation with that era of filmmaking, like, and, and not just UK, like all across the board, if they weren't sure. a star, if they, and it wasn't something like of note to preserve, we have lost so much art from that period. And yeah. so like there's movies that are just like we know them. We know they were these great films like Midnight and Bl- no, right. I just, I can't think of too many examples, but because there's too many. There's too yeah. many examples. Yeah. So this whole scene ends up playing out like Clint Eastwood at the RNC. It's just Scrooge talking to an empty chair. Um, does that go I have on to the, say, does that go on the chart John of like little tie-ins to like the Scrooge like influences? Sure. sure. <laughs> Infograph. We'll, we'll we'll call it that. Um I feel like there's a couple things that are really great about this. Number one, Seymour Hicks and the way that he executes the blocking of this scene really sells this super well because he is with his eye line and with his body language communicating to us where Marley is at all times because Marley doesn't just stay in one spot. He moves in, he sits down in the chair, he gets up, he advances on Scrooge at one point to be kind of like threatening. And we know this really clearly because of the way Seymour Hicks is handling the movement in the scene. There's this great moment when he's staring at Marley in the chair and he's terrified and he can't do it either because he can't keep standing there without support because either he's too scared or he's just an old man. He needs some help. So he puts his arm, his hand shaking towards another chair to, for support. And it's beautiful because it's, it's a visual thing to look at while the scene is going on. That's kind of emotion happening while we are listening to Marley and it just builds up layers upon itself and it builds and it's still visually interesting. And I can tell you as a fan of silent film, right? Some great silent films just kind of sit. And those are the lazy filmmakers from that period. The great silent filmmakers always had something going on visually interesting because they couldn't talk. So like these actors who were from the silent air know that I've got to be visually interesting, even while something else is going on, which is totally. Marley kicking butt with this. Oh my gosh. Marley's yeah. monologue here is and scene with Scrooge. He's, he is almost malevolent. Like he, mm. he is one of the scariest Marley's that we've had just in terms of how he chooses to approach this. I mean, he is coming in like, I am here to scare you straight. Right. He's coming in hot and he doesn't care because I think he also when you are Marley and you're watching Scrooge, while there is the friendship aspect of that. Right. Like I've loved, you know, they were they had some bond or something like that that made them business people. Right. There is this also like it's that like scene when you like it's the reverse of giving money to the woman holding the child. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like the F you. Like he's been saying that to Scrooge maybe like the whole time. And now he's got a voice and he can let Scrooge happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And this scene, I mean, lasts just as long as it needs to. Most of these like don't hang around. No, nothing overstays it. Welcome. Some things you wish there were longer, but nothing overstays. It's welcome. Um, We don't see any spirits in the night. I feel like we hear a little bit of it. Maybe like we hear just sort of, it's hard to tell because the music is so loud. Um, I think Scrooge sees it. 
I, yeah. I mean, maybe that's just me and you watching so many versions of this that we know that that's what he's seeing there. Well, there's kind of like a shot. There's like one shot of him looking out and looking really alarmed. And then he goes back and looks out again. And it's like the quiet town. So I guess you could draw that conclusion. Like he's seeing something we don't see. It's a really interesting technique because doing Marley at this time probably would be pretty technically difficult, oh. um, especially on a budget. And I think the choice to have it be this like, we don't need to see it. We hear his voice. We see the reaction. It's a ghost. It makes sense. The door moves. And that's like enough. But John, we saw Obi-Wan Marley a couple years from this, you know, just all blue and dragging chains through hell. Of course you can do Marley like that now, right? Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Oh, preference, either Obi-Wan Marley or Invisible Marley. I'm going Invisible Marley every yeah. time. Yeah. So we move pretty quickly from this. So he he kind of like humbugs gets over it well he says hum and then oh, the, yeah, and then the window slams the shut. window is the bug <laughs> the window comes down with a thud and is like ah, 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 ah scrooge this this is it right like like you can't get away from this one and he's and he's trapped and he's kind of locked in there like he's kind of like in that room and that door does not open again uh and well until it opens again <laughs> yeah yeah so moving forward so he's asleep in bed mm-hmm in this next scene and suddenly like the curtain pulls aside what do you make of this ghost of christmas past love this it. is an interesting choice love it with what they had to work with you know the only thing it I was, I, this was i was not expecting this i thought okay so either we'll do either all the ghosts are going to be invisible which would be an, an interesting way to do it right or it's going to be you know kid or or like starlet in a costume it's going to be one of those things well, I mean, the fact that Scrooge is lying down in his bed and he's got his candle going and he's got his still don't have the name of it, John. What's it called? Puts the candle the, out. Cap? Oh, the 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 yeah, the cap, the little I, extinguisher. I keep, yeah. I keep thinking there's a fancy name for it that I'm forgetting. It's just the cap, right? Yeah, I think he just calls it an extinguisher. Extinguisher. An extinguisher that there we go. Yeah. So he's got the extinguisher in his hand. And it's like somebody when they have their phone in their hand and they're trying to go to bed, but they're not going to bed. But like, I'm going to hit that sleep mode on my phone. I'm going to put it down with its charger, right? He's going to plug in his phone, but he doesn't do it. And he falls asleep with the candle, with the extinguisher in his hand. And we get the ghost of Christmas pass. Yeah. This and the ghost of Christmas past in this version is a vaguely humanoid shape of just pure light. And the shot where you first see it, it's a shot from behind Scrooge's head, mm -hmm. right? So it's a, it's a, uh, very similar to that first shot of the movie straight on from behind. And the spirit is just standing at the foot of his bed, like radiating light. Mm -hmm. And you only see it for like a few seconds. Right. It's a really quick shot, but it's arresting. I mean, for a movie from this time period to have a visual like that is really mind-blowing fritz lying man fritz lying like this is go watch some fritz lying and get some influence out of this movie because like it's it, this is working with what you got we always talk about at least i do enhance the positives hide the negatives and like it's interesting it's scary like it's got a divine presence with very little effort and yeah. it doesn't overstay it's welcome and they don't show it too much too right yeah, it's like we Jaws. don't really see it after this. Right. We, it's like Jaws. It works better when we really don't see it. And yeah. that's a rule that <laughs> they follow until they don't with the next ghost. But we'll get there. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. But I think <laughs> yeah. We, we'll, 
we'll talk about it. There's a reason I think why that makes sense. <laughs> I'm gonna start um, laughing already. <laughs> so this Ghost of Christmas Past is very different from other ones that we've seen. Now I feel like a lot of times Ghost of Christmas Past gets the most attention, mm. right? And we've seen like in the Alistair Sim one, there's a whole like 20 extra minutes of stuff they added to kind of embellish Scrooge's past and add to it. Um, it's Scrooge like Scrooge yeah. had a lot more with the ghost of Christmas past, the musical. So right. um, this is one scene. Well, I guess technically two, if we want to be really I, technical about it. So I was worried I got cut out of like some Alibaba or something else there. Like I was really worried, like nope. with some of the cut minutes stuff, this would have been cut. I am okay with this order for what this movie is trying to say with his Scrooge. Let's get into the ghost of Christmas past. Holy cow. (laughs) So what happens is it basically flashes back to like, I want to say middle age Scrooge. I think he's supposed to be younger, but Seymour Hicks is so old and they just put him in like a brown toupee and kind of hope for the best. Um, Now that you said he did the 1913 movie, he did this then. Like yeah. you, you could tell that this script, and this is what they did a lot of time back in old Hollywood. They would just take the silent movie scripts. Oh no, the nineteen thirteen one is very different from. This, okay, we'll talk. So, we'll talk about that when we see. All it. right, yeah. never mind. But just for example, like, but he did maybe this back then, like, or at least he played younger Scrooge at one point. He ain't that young anymore. But well, and I wonder too if it's like there's only one. We only see Scrooge in the past in this one sequence. Right. Right. So it's not like there's like little kid Scrooge and then apprentice Scrooge and then like young man of business Scrooge. It's literally just this one. He's already owns the counting house at this point. So I wonder if it was just like, ah, we'll just put Seymour in a wig and and, and he'll he'll do it. It'll be fine. It saves on the budget. And really, though, by just going to this one scene, it emphasizes the moral of this movie. All versions of A Christmas Carol we watched really lean into one aspect of the story, right? This yeah. one, this scene kind of like cements what it's saying about Scrooge. I, um, so let's talk about the scene and then we can kind of talk about how we feel about it. Cause mm-hmm. I think the, the scene is basically the, the young debtor characters, this young couple who owes Scrooge money, um, begging him for mercy on presumably Christmas Eve, right? It's gotta be. Yeah, got to be. And and he's basically not having any of it. And in the midst of this exchange, Belle comes in and she just kind of watches him eviscerate this young couple and have absolutely no uh, no sympathy for them. By the way, here's another fun one. You're going to love this. Do you know who plays the the young man in this scene? The, the man who owes him money? No, but I like the performance. Who is it? This is Maurice Evans who plays Dr. Zaius in Planet of the Apes. Drop the song right now. Yeah, yeah, it's in there. Dr. Zaius, Dr. Zaius. <laughs> Dr. Zaius, Dr. Zaius. Dr. Zaius, Dr. Zaius. Oh, Dr. Zaius. Dr. Zaius, Dr. Zaius. Yes! Hell yeah! And he's it's, awesome! Yeah, he's really good in this. It's such a fun, <laughs> Like, I, I was looking over the cast list, and I was like, hey, whoa, hang on, hang on. Because I didn't really recognize a ton of names, aside from, obviously, like, Claude Rains and right. this. Yeah, yeah. This scene is, like, high melodrama. The The music is, like, right. super dramatic. It's got, like, the little, like, kind of foggy vignette around the edges. A um, lot of that in this movie, which I really appreciate. Yeah, like, yeah. Lot- well, it's, it's definitely of that time. Right, but not only that, there's, like, 
for different eras, we really use different framing devices and ways. It's so good. Yeah. Um, so Mary Glynn, the actress who plays Belle, is like the most like golden age Hollywood actress I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And she's not like in much of consequence. This was the most recognizable thing I found her in on IMDb, but she was just like a West End kind of actress. That's um, a- had like a bunch of film credits. I think she died sometime in like the 50s. Um, but basically she plays this scene like, so it's true what they say about you. You're a mean old miser. Like as if she didn't know this somehow about him already. It was um, awesome. It was it was so it was so great to have Belle see Scrooge. Like yeah. to see the scummy side of Scrooge. And that is the prompt for the breakup. Like we're yeah. like this this is the scene. Like th- this is the one scene we get from the text, but they put it in the setting of Belle just witnessing the worst of Scrooge. Yeah. Oh yes. And the thing is, I mean, he looks like her dad. <laughs> she's not that much younger she, she's she's not but she's like made up really pretty like the camera kind of like like ages her down and there's not a lot that they can do to make this was just no, a scene where, no. where i felt like you it wouldn't have killed them to have a younger guy playing scrooge right here if there were more scenes with young scrooge yes yeah but the yeah. the more important thing here is that we know that this man is the same man as the one that we have followed up to this point sure because sure. In a moment, that's really going to matter. Yeah. So, so this goes really quickly because she basically breaks up with him because he like can't have mercy on this young couple, and he's calling them like you know no good. And she's been defending him. She's been saying yeah. like she's been like you said she's been hearing the rumors of Scrooge's mis like his deeds and like how evil he is and like how like he is just this horrible. And it's like she's doing that awesome you know couple thing where it's like. You don't know him. I don't, you're just hyping it up. You these people actually probably just were, you know, they're very, you know, they weren't saving their money. They're cheap, you know, and they're sure. not paying yeah. him what he like. He he loaned you the money, and then to see it with her own eyes and yeah. to call him out on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was the moment yeah. when I was jumping on the bed. I was like, get him, Bell. Just lay it on him. Keep going. Keep saying what's true. And I think that. I like this scene a lot. I think I would have liked it more if we had had seen a little bit of a a pre-fallen Scrooge. I, guess. I I do think. I mean, this movie was so short. I feel like another ten minutes probably wouldn't have killed them. Mm. To give us like, here's this kid, and then he went wrong because I feel like that makes us want him to go back. Like we want to see that redemption when he's just a jerk like there's nothing really redemptive about scrooge in this scene he's feels very entitled to like being married to her you know i mean of course i'm not going to argue with having those original scenes from the novella in there obviously those are always wanted and always part of what dickens intended right yeah but i will say about keeping it simple to this point it really puts the it she calls him out about the money right yeah. like yeah, she totally. she's all about like you couldn't be like charitable you couldn't just like give a little bit of money away like give them a little bit of time you just couldn't do that all the attention is put on how much of a skin flint scrooge is and anytime we can make it about capitalism here and the evilness of it i'm i'm sure. in. I'm, I'm loving sure it. sure yeah yeah i don't disagree with you like i think the scene is really good i think i I think I would have liked to see like 
I wanted to see the scene and feel like, oh, it's so sad that he's fallen this way. I want him to go back to the way he was. Oh, give right? me f- capitalism has destroyed him. Right. Right. I mean, five minutes is all you need. You, right? give you don't me- need Fezzy wigs. You don't need his sister. You don't need any of that stuff. Just show me like this sad kid leaving school. Right? You could like get, you could rework this in like I mean they're staying pretty close to the text but if you just have it like Bell and him knew each other as kids right they met sure. there and he told a joke once one save the cat moment you're looking for a save the cat moment here which yeah which yeah. we don't get with this in this movie and I was kind of hoping I gotta be honest I was kind of hoping it would have been there for you know when you started saying there were 17 freaking minutes cut out which I'm worried yeah. about where that's coming in um. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But I just my love for this scene weighs that out. Like, like I know yeah. Scrooge is redeemable because I've seen it seventeen times. Let me sure. just see Scrooge really get his nose rubbed in dirt, real like, like yeah, right. yeah, yeah, Scrooge, right. yeah, this is who you are. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of rub it, rubbing it in the dirt, so the spirit's like, well, let me show you what you've missed out on, and what he's missed out on is like approximately four thousand children. <laughs> <laughs> they've gotta be running an orphanage they've gotta be running an orphanage because if it's, not this woman is dead the, the 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 text implies that she just had a lot of kids like when you read the book it's just like she had all these kids i counted no less than 12 kids really yeah. like like yeah i don't think that's unrealistic for the time no i mean i don't want to get morbid but like Families used to have something where in the realm of like eight to nine kids, because most of the time the infant mortality rate was so high. It was so freaking high. So I guess in a sense, but she seems pretty well off. You know what I mean? So like, I guess in a sense, if she's having the same amount of kids plus or two, uh, three that, and she has, she's well off. So the kids can be taken care of when they're infants. Like didn't, well, and didn't, um, didn't Victoria have a lot of kids? Queen Victoria. I don't care about the royalty. Screw the monarchy. No, but what I'm saying is like, there's like a, there's a, I think like, I think Queen Victoria made it trendy for these like wealthy people to have large families. Like that sounds about right. she was a very trendy queen. So people kind of followed, followed along with what she chose to do. She ain't no um, queenie. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Well, uh, so Belle's husband comes in. Um, he's another I, I really like his performance he's a very larger than life figure he's like really vital and and um loud and and just the opposite of scrooge in every way which i think is really interesting like my, she really traded up my new hero <laughs> yeah <laughs> i want to be this guy like this guy is he's coming in he's playing with the kids he's joking and he walks over and a scene that we never get we have not had this scene ever ever we get the you guess might have had like kind of a version of it maybe in ghosts of girlfriends past but in like a real roundabout kind of way yeah but But that doesn't really count i'm talking the novella adaptation we have not seen this and it is done in the best possible way honestly like this scene is the best version it could be because he walks over jokingly saying guess who i saw today i saw scrooge he's in the house he's in there marley just died which lets us know again that marley is dead you know, yeah. like every time we mm-hmm. can get that information, it makes it yeah. the supernatural side. So that's good. And also he's like, it was so dark in there. I couldn't bear. I could barely see his face, which is such a nice little line about like how lonely he is. And yeah. they just kind of hold hands and empathize about how sad Scrooge's life is. They yeah. know he is a sad son of a bee. And that little touch, my God. God, this is a good movie. Like that yeah. is just it speaks it's, to it's like, really solid. It speaks to like the the empathy that all of us can have 
and that we should have, especially at the season, which is when this scene would have to happen too. This has yeah. to be Christmas. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Scrooge can't handle this. No. Right? He's, you know, take me back, take me back. And he kind of like, like almost like waves his arm through the spirit. And there's this really great cut where it goes from him trying to wave the spirit away to just his hand with a little extinguisher falling down on the candle and putting the candle out. And it's like, oh, dream sequence ended or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it leaves it again, mm-hmm. to your point, very ambiguous about whether this is really happening or whether he's just having like, a, a mental break of some kind on this Christmas Eve. And you want to do the extinguisher putting out the ghost, but you can't figure out a way to do that. This it's is great. The great. Just have answer. them extinguish a candle. Simplicity. Yeah. And I just want to go back one more second to the breakup scene with bell and uh, Scrooge. When Scrooge looks at it, right. And he looks at his young, his younger self. When he yeah. looks at a wigged up him, uh, he says, <laughs> He just he doesn't really even say anything, but he's got like this such a defeated, failed look on his face, and he's so yeah. so so He does hang dog really well. Oh, oh gosh. that's like a strength for Seymour Hicks. It's, it's just this. It's like, him and Finney. It's him dog. and yeah. Finney with that aspect. Like, like they are the like so sad. And one other thing I like to note here, look at how much better put together young Scrooge is right yeah he's actually well dressed his hair is well kept i mean it's fake but it's well kept and he's (laughs) like he's put together and he's actually putting an effort into living at that point as soon as bell is out of his life he doesn't care and bell goes on he he falls apart and bell goes on to have a a triumphant life right like a glorious life like the life we should not she's happy she's happy and He's not. And yeah. he, he doesn't want to deal with it because he's so sad. And he puts the extinguisher on that candle. And hot damn, do I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to. I'm like, I'm trying really hard not to be the wet blanket. I think he reacts really strongly in this moment to seeing her with this happy family. And I like I get it because I think they they do a lot with the breakup scene to kind of add to that intensity. I just feel like the sequence goes by so fast that I, I had a hard time believing that he got that worked up so quickly. Like I wanted just like, I wanted him to see a couple more things, you know what I mean? And it may just be me being conditioned by other versions of this, like you said, but I also I don't that know. Could... There was something about it where I was just like, oh, I just need a little bit more to get there and believe this. And that's, a, that's fair, John. I think it's I think it's both sides of it, right? I walk into this with so much already known. It's like yeah. somebody watching an MCU film, right? Like I know why certain things. I won't spoil any. I haven't seen it, right? But I know why certain character beats in later movies have weight and matter, right? Because I have the text already in my head, right? Yeah. But if you have the text already in your head and a moment in the MCU doesn't go the way you want it to go, that could be a bit of a downer if you're so much of a fan of it, right? Sure. Like yeah. if somebody was to say like a catchphrase and it's not how I imagine hearing that catchphrase in my head, I might be disappointed, right? I would say here that I would just say this for his drop, the immediate drop and like into that. 
peoples are peoples and some peoples just have different ways of reacting when they think of something right some sure people, totally and yeah. i think i think while i agree with you that of course and as i said earlier i would love to have everything from the ghost in this movie because i actually think that would make it maybe this the version of a christmas carol right yeah yeah i think that i still believe that he could get there because this is the love of his life and yeah. he's lost it so yeah yeah, yeah totally totally um yeah 33 minutes into this movie if you're watching the full length version and and marley and christmas past are already in the bag um it's it's the pacing is like we're getting there we're gonna move through it and just like them we're gonna keep chugging along here too john because i don't think with this time like we don't even have to do a two-parter on this one right oh yeah no we're, we're gonna get through the whole thing um but in order to do that we do have to pay our clerk so we're gonna take a quick ad break and we will be right back if I stopped your half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, wouldn't you, hmm? But you don't think me ill-used if I pay a day's wages for no work, do you, hmm? Tis only once a year, sir. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. Hi, everybody. If you're anything like me, you've been listening to podcasts pretty much as long as podcasts have been a thing, and you've always dreamed that one day you would find a topic you were really passionate about, and you would make that dream podcast yourself. Unfortunately, in today's day and age, when everybody and their mom and their mom's dog has a podcast, and there are so many different podcast hosting platforms to choose from, it can be a little bit difficult to find something that fits both your needs and your budget. And that is where Anchor comes in. If you are someone just breaking into the podcast scene and you're looking for a place to uh, get started hosting your podcast, Anchor is a great choice. For starters, it's totally free. There's no charge to host the files that you need for your podcast. It also has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So if you're someone who hasn't broken into using GarageBand or Audacity or a more professional program to record your podcast... Anchor has all of the tools you need to record right from your phone or computer. Anchor also provides seamless distribution to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms, so it's really easy for you to reach a broad audience. If you're looking to monetize your podcast, you can do so with no minimum listenership through Anchor. Just record an ad and put a sponsorship segment in your show, and you're good to go. It's everything that you need to make a podcast right in one place. If you want to get started recording that podcast you've always dreamed about today, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm telling you, it's a damn dream, John! Listen, we can talk about this later. We are back from our ad break. So we're we're going to move pretty quickly. So Ghost of Christmas Past ends with a candle snuffing out. Mm. And almost immediately, Seymour Hicks is waking up again, mm-hmm. right? And there's some, like, funky, like, like, light reflecting off of water effects going on. Just, like, a little something to kind of draw your attention. And, uh, <laughs> and in Scrooge's adjoining room... Store brand Sydney Green Street is chowing down <laughs> a turkey leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. George the Animal Steel is really going to town on some turkey right there. Oh my god. It's, yeah. And yeah. It's, it's falling apart in his hands as he's eating it. And the actor yeah. was like, 
I ain't dealing with this no more and tosses aside. Yeah. And the ghost of the uh, Tor Johnson of, of Christmas <laughs> present. Is who is not played by around. George the Animal Steel and Ed Wood. <laughs> there we go. Yeah! There we go. Yeah! It all comes around in a circle. Um, so this is Oscar Ash. Uh, this guy is actually kind of, like, he's an interesting dude. I would read up about him. Um, on wikipedia if you want he was the star and writer and director of several extraordinarily racist uh musicals such as oh no chu chin chow oh in which this very white englishman played a very stereotypical asian man um kismet is another thing that he was in which i think he played someone you know from the middle east um just of its time but he was very influential um john just drop in from uh drowsy chaperone the accidental uh second act of the show like when they play that really racist like musical (laughs) (laughs) but i mean that's the type of stuff yeah yeah essentially that's what this guy was sort of famous for was these sorts of things um really prolific actor director um interesting personal life but in this he plays a very interesting take on the ghost of christmas present he's really there i mean i mean not to bury the lead for the next ghost but he's really there yeah very substantial and what's great about it is it's not just because you can do this ghost right it's yeah. also because there because it is the present. It is literally what is happening right now. And he get, is given physical form because we are living in the present. Maybe I'm reading too deep. Maybe I'm trying to justify their budget. But I actually think that w- that's it actually works like that. that. That's what I think as well. I think the Ghost of Christmas present always is the most kind of vital mm-hmm. and and grounded because the present is here and real and now and alive. Right. right. Um. Yeah, he's actually really funny in this scene because he's, you know, picking out, tossing, tossing like his leg aside when uh, when he gets tired of it. He's kind of talking to Scrooge through like a mouthful of turkey or whatever it is that he's eating. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the season. And clearly you don't care about me. So I don't care about you that you're here. But I got yeah. a job to do and you got to listen. But Scrooge, to his credit, is like very subservient. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. when Andre the Giant's talking to you, done listen, okay? Like, it is, oh my gosh, he really is so big. <laughs> um, I'm a big so, guy too, people, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so and this is one of those moments, this is actually, I think, the moment where I, I felt that that lack of Christmas past a little bit, because this Scrooge is so, like, hands clasped, you know, sad little you know droopy dog eyes looking up like i learned a very hard lesson last night please take me wherever you and it feels like wow you were in the past for five minutes my guy like that's all it takes um i would say here though that while he is like you know begging him he uses the word profit right which is Mm -hmm. is from the text right yeah and i've always caught that in this scene because to me he just understands profit cause and effect profit so he's not all the way there yet he's still like he's still cause and affecting it and so i think while i agree with you again could have had more there i still think it works here yeah yeah totally and this this sequence is real good oh so basically (laughs) basically uh uh jabba the hut of (laughs) christmas present is like uh 
or we're gonna go see how your clerk manages on the 15 bob a week you give him oh. so they're just going straight straight to bob cratchit's house and this has got to be the best cratchit scene we've had so far it is so good knocked it out of the freaking park oh my gosh Everything's awesome. The daughter coming back to, for, to the family for Christmas. The f- house is the right balance of everything. It yeah. is a poor house, but not the poorest house. Yeah, it's like poor, but really well maintained and cozy. Not cartoonish. Like a lot yeah. of times I feel like people go cartoonish. And now there's something to be said for that because it really like lets the message sink in, right? But this is believable. He's get, He's working his butt off, you know? Yeah. And... Mrs. Cratchit is great here. She is. Oh, yeah, I love her. She's really awesome. So subtle. And her delivery is just perfect. I think the other thing that I really liked about this, like comparing it to. So I know we had talked about like the Patrick Stewart one. I did like this version. This version, though, felt so much more alive to me than that. Like the kids like kind of running and playing and excited. It felt like a real family, like really living in this moment. And you could just feel the, the Cratchit energy of like life sucks, but we're still going to enjoy it because it's Christmas. I feel like sometimes when people want to do like something that is supposed to represent the poor, the downtrodden, right? They make it way too depressing and being yeah. and while i still loved the scene in the patrick stewart one it's almost comedic how sad they are there right and how yeah. Yeah. poor they are this is like you said this is a lie this is a family that is getting by but they're happy right and they're right. joking around they're playing these games and tiny tim is brought home on the back of bob freaking cratchit we get it people we get the piggyback scene i would prefer the shoulder but we get him on the back and we never get that like john how often do we see it on the poster of a thing of a version but we don't see it in the actual movie we get that here and yeah it's been so long that i almost left out of my i did i I was jumping on the bed this whole time like this was like yes like oh (laughs) um so this this scene really uh, you want to see like a master class in how to play bob cratchit because Mm. what this guy has is two things what he he has the kind of um slightly pathetic thing that the guy from the alistair sim version had yes right remember that bob cratchit was just like a dog that had been kicked one too many times that was kind of his energy or even we see we see that a little bit i guess with um oh who was it in the patrick stewart one? Oh god uh, uh, uh grant uh oh god uh eighth doctor that wasn't the eighth doctor oh richard grant richard, richard grant, grant. Sorry, ninth doctor Richard E. Grant, the not the ninth doctor. The the eighth doctor was the US TV movie. The animated doctor was Richard E. Grant. And of course the actual ninth doctor was John Christopher Eccleson. Oh yes. Oh yeah, baby. (laughs) We'll get to him. Well he's coming up on this. Friends, we're gonna get to Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means. We've we've been circling that mulberry bush one too many times. (laughs) Um but yeah, so like he has that kind of like he's a little bit pathetic. He's a little bit like just like this worn down scarecrow. Oh. But he also has some of that like showman energy that the 
the Albert Finney version had, mm-hmm. right? Where, I mean, that version of Bob was like a little bit too polished, right? He, he just seemed like you didn't buy that he was this poverty-stricken guy, right? Trying to feed his six kids. This Bob really treads that line where like anytime he's around the family, he is holding court. They're hanging on his every word. They love him. He loves them. You can tell like, Bob Cratchit is the heart of the family, which is what you really want. At the same time, though, he's kind of pathetic. Right. And, and when you put those two things together, it's the like the platonic ideal of Bob Cratchit. He's a walking, talking dad joke that's sincere. Yeah. And it's yeah. he's the he's the radio because they don't have a radio. He's the master. <laughs> he's the master ceremony. And he's he's he, again, he's not perfect at it, but he loves it and he loves what he's providing for his family. And there are all these little moments that as he comes in, as of, of course, the daughter trick on him, which is great yeah. moment for Bob because Bob has none of it and he should never have any of it. It's Christmas. The family is together. And he only says not coming like once or twice because he's so depressed and mad. He's mad at that moment that she can't take it. And it's like, because when he gets mad, it's a little serious and also a little funny because he doesn't know how to get mad. So the daughter can't keep it up and comes up from behind. And then there's this scene where he's messing with his son. Like he goes to the fire and he pats his son on the back of the head or the the back and like, get out of my way. That's my chair. And the son laughs it off and they've done it a billion times because what is the son doing he's warming his father's shoes for him so he can put on warm shoes because his Uh. actual shoes were freaking cold from outside this is a family that has a routine and their routine is at the end of the day and it is a joyous celebration of getting through this thing called life yeah I yeah. love it. And and just when you think this scene is going to be like a little bit too schmaltzy and saccharine, right? It's mm-hmm. like too much happy good times. Bob sits down at the fire and the exchange that he has with Mrs. Cratchit about like Tiny Tim in the church and, and uh, you know, he's getting stronger every day. And she's like, I really hope he is, but I'm scared. It you it sells this idea that they are worried to death about tiny tim and trying to hold it together which is going to be a thing that we see threaded through the rest of the performance with bob and every time this dynamic this version of the dynamic comes out is the best bob is the optimist mrs cratchit is the pessimist and they are i don't want to say codependent because that's not right but they are they balance each other out yeah right like there's like an egalitarianism right that and, that really works. And they're they're amazing together. And they are a couple that if they... I just watched the Mitchells versus the Machine recently. I believe the Cratchits could take on the Machines. I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. They um, win. They, they win. <laughs> they win. They're beating Scrooge. They're still having a great life, even though they got to deal with Scrooge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it does make me wish that we'd seen like a tiny bit more, like maybe establish Tiny Tim early on, like have him go meet Bob at the counting house or something. But it's that's like such a minor quibble because the scene is so good. And we do end up, I feel like, getting enough of Tim that his death has like a really strong impact. We get more um, Tim here than we do with other movies that try to make Tim... A same. bigger deal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like yeah. Tim's just yeah. the right amount. We know his condition. We know what's going on with Tim. And he doesn't overstay his welcome. And he's not on a pedestal that much. He is, but not yeah. that much. But it's more, I think, that he's just, he op- occupies this special place in the family because he's sickly and because he's really pure and, and sincere. And they it would just be a blow for them to lose him. Right. Um, so you know that thing when someone 
some dog owners do this. It's a little weird, but like when the dog poops in the house, they like bring the dog over and kind of shove the dog's nose at it to be like, look what you did. Don't do that in the house. That's what I was I hoping Belle was doing with Scrooge earlier on. I was like, well, well, <laughs> that is kind of the energy that the ghost of Christmas present has <laughs> with Scrooge standing outside the window because he's standing there and Scrooge is looking through the window and he's got like a he's got a very firm hand on scrooge's back and you do get the impression that he's putting at least a little bit of pressure there to keep scrooge's eyes through that window on what he's looking at like no 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 no. you're gonna watch you're gonna see everything and you're gonna feel everything there you're gonna feel about how little they have but also about how much they have what do you think about the choice to have them outside the window looking in like almost like they're not allowed to cross this barrier into the cratchit space like scrooge is on the outside i like it a lot I like that he's not in the room with them. I always like the choice of looking through the window. I mean, sometimes it's okay for them to transition inside, but giving Scrooge this distance from the family, it establishes that he also has this distance from his own family. Like he doesn't, sure. he doesn't. And from like the Christmas season, right, he's on right. the outside looking in. He's at an Christmas. observer. He, he doesn't know what this is. And he's just watching it like a show. And it's this really like, as the, as it goes on, He's laughing at the jokes inside. Yeah. And yeah, he says at one point that he envies them. And that is is a really, really great line that is not in the text. It's 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 the truth. It's it's the people that have everything. You think about it like. There are people that have more money than you and me put over five billion times. Honestly, John. Right. But I'll tell you what, that type of person is not nearly as happy as you or me. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be honest. They have so many other things going on in their lives. So many other stuff going on. I am able to live just not to gloat, (laughs) but like, I'm just happy. Like I'm, I'm in a happy place in my life. And if you are happy in your life, that's infectious. And people want to be a around you and want to be happy themselves. So that's what's happening here. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, the spirit admonishing Scrooge here about the surplus population is really good. I love the way that Oscar Ash delivers these lines um, for a guy who like I think when he first came in, I was like, this is a kind of weird take on this ghost. Um, but this scene in particular, I feel like is really, really strong. I did miss not having the uh, charity collector scene here because I wasn't primed for the line. I was actually I, I didn't realize it until this moment I was like, oh, they haven't established the line. How are they yeah. going to get the line in? And they just do it, which is better than not having it in there at all. Yeah. But like, cause he kind of says like my own words, like right. he, he lets you know that that's what's going on. So even, I guess if you don't do the charity collectors, it's still kind of worked. It's definitely not as strong. That's kind right. of a weird omission. I think they were covering themselves because international edits were at that time known for how crappy they were. I mean, yeah. Fritz just going back to Fritz Lang for a second. I've showed you the original cut of Metropolis, right? Like, or at least a little mm-hmm. bit of it. It's yeah. a th- two and a half hour epic. That's amazing. When they brought it to America, they chopped that damn thing down, John, to an hour. Wow. So like international edits of movies, it does not shock me at all that they would cover their own backside by having yeah. him say my own words. Cause in case they don't have that other scene in there, this would make no sense. Right. Right. Um, so then, yeah, the spirit takes him to see kind of how the rest of the world celebrates Christmas. This is where we get that really nice model shot of London. Really, really good. Wait a minute. Have we skipped Tiny Tim singing? Oh, yeah. Tiny Tim sings. Sorry. It's it's in the midst of this. That's kind of right before Scrooge says that he envies them. 
right? And I just gotta say, doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah, no, it's beautiful, yeah. and it, and it's it's not it's not ange- it's not like I mean he says that child it has what does he call uh, t- say about Tiny Tim's spirit or soul? Oh, Tiny Tim, your your charitable spirit, charitable spirit was from God. That's actually that's an example of them taking a line of narration and turning it into dialogue. That's a line of narration from the text that they give Scrooge as like a line of dialogue in the movie. See, this movie knows what it's doing. This movie yeah. knows exactly what it's doing. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that done poorly other places. Um, so we do get the lighthouse and the ship. Everyone's hard drinking on Christmas. No! You <laughs> yeah. got that? Yeah. Son of a... <laughs> All I get is some very nice, like, pan shots against London. Like, I Oh, get... yeah, those shots of those panning shots of the streets with, like, the shadows through the windows. That's, that's all. I get that. Yeah. I get all of that. And then, I, then it stops for me. But... John, tell me, please, what happens here. There's not a lot to it. It's it's everyone singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And it like, you know, they pan over London and then you see the lighthouse and then you see the guys inside the lighthouse and they like cheers and drink. And then you see the boat and the guy up in the watchtower and the boat drinks. And it's there's not a lot to it, but it's there. This you know what? Now that you mentioned it and they mentioned Fritz Lang earlier, this actually reminds me a lot of his uh, movie M which was, I don't know if M had already come out. I think it had, I think it was 1933. Um, and there's a lot of like, just these like slow pans of just watching the world. And that's yeah. where I think this influence really came from as well. Like there's just like these slow, like just the world going by. I got to watch this longer cut. I'm going to, Oh, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. There's some interesting stuff. Um, and then we, and then we get to uh, Fred's house where Fred is. You laughing. got Fred's house. Yeah. I didn't get Fred's house. I'm mad now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, um, yeah, I, it, I was it, worried it, it that this is from, where it was. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. So there's some stuff here. So, uh, oh, you're going to be really, dis- you're going to be really mad. Hit me with so, it. Hit me. so we get to Fred's house and Fred is laughing entirely too hard. And everyone <laughs> at this party, I feel like maybe like someone spiked the 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 punch with something other than alcohol because everybody at this party is like really super loud and like over the top um it's got real like rich people making jokes energy but it's fred like it's fine um and he's laughing really hard because scrooge called christmas a humbug and he's pouring everybody drinks and his wife is like you know oh he's just missing out and blah 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 and um it is a little bit i think this 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 version is a little bit less merciful to Scrooge. It's a little bit more mocking. Um, you don't get as much of that like, hey, I'm just going to keep inviting him every year and we'll see what happens. Like, it's kind of in there, but it doesn't get a ton of attention. Um, they do play the game really briefly. Like they do a really quick version of the game. But they play it. Damn. Yeah. And and everyone's laughing at Scrooge. And then this scene ends with a shot of this fireplace and superimposed behind the fire is the face of the ghost of Christmas present kind of laughing mockingly at Scrooge like he's John Candy in planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go watch it. It's really oh. a brilliant. And that's how the ghost of Christmas present ends in the version I watched. I mean, that's, I mean, look, it's not, you know, ignorance and want, but hot damn, that's a nice way to finish it. It's a really evocative shot, but all I could think was John Candy in the devil suit. <laughs> uh, Scrooge wakes up once again in his bed and 
Uh, this is kind of a callback to something we talked about before, but this idea of you never really seeing the Ghost of Christmas Future. Okay, this is how I want it done. Yeah. This is what I love about the Ghost Really like, spooky. Like, really spooky, just shadow. And this, do, you want, do you want to describe this first shot that we see when he's in the bed? Okay, this is some Fritz Lang stuff right here, okay? Yeah. So, Scrooge is lying down in the bed, right? And he, if, correct me if I'm wrong, because, you know, I have seen it only once. But yeah. the hand of the ghost of Christmas future slowly comes down over Scrooge's face. Yeah, but it's the shadow, it's right? The so shadow. There's light, it's the shadow. There's light, there's light shining in on him, like moonlight or, or lamplight or whatever. And, and you just get the shadow of the hand coming down over his face. And it's guiding him. It's kind of like yeah. in the uh, Albert Finney version where, correct me if this is not the version, but like we only really got the hand of the ghost in that version, right? I think that's the one. No, we saw, no. the, the Well, we the beginning, the, the beginning of the scene where like we only get the hand motions, right? That was the Alistair Sim one. That was Alistair Sim too? Yeah, when he Smart. runs into him in the street and it's just the hand coming up to stop him. And I love and then that. it pans out, yeah. The hand is what should be emphasized here all the time with the Ghost of Christmas Future. And so it's just the shadow. And it's the opposite of how we did the Ghost of Christmas Past. The past yeah. was all light. The future yeah. is all shadow. Simple. Maybe it seems elementary, but it freaking works. And yeah. it is. Yeah. And that's all we really see. We see silhouettes of this hand, this shadow, pointing and leading the direction of Scrooge's eye from scene to scene. And we get John, honestly, one of the best ghosts of Christmas future I have ever seen. Yeah, it's really good. So uh, it's very, it's very true to the text mm -hmm. for the most part. I mean, the scenes that they include are, are ripped right from the text. Right. Um, ah, there's some really cool stuff here visually because the way that we see Scrooge in all of these sequences up until the graveyard is just his shadow on the wall of whatever place and the ghost's hand kind of above him, right? Right. As though the ghost is standing at his shoulder. But then composited within his shadow is is his actual face. Right. So the shadow is not reacting to anything because spoilers, he's not actually there. Right? <laughs> he's already he's already dead at this point. Right. Right. But with it's it's this really like ah, uh, it, it's really hard to describe, but it, it looks so cool. This is on YouTube, like twelve hundred different people have uploaded it. Right. It's in the public domain. Go watch it, at least for the way that they film these scenes. I never want to hear anybody say you can't make something visually interesting with a low budget. Okay. Because now that we have these smartphones, right? We can do this. We could do yeah. this visual trick. We can make this. We could do obviously a hell of a lot more with just our phones, right? But look what they did. That was probably somewhat challenging and difficult to pull off. But relatively speaking, with like when you think of special effects and filmmaking, right? It's a simple thing. But man, does it sell this scene? And like, yeah, he's there watching the 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 the, the bank, right? He's watching the money exchange, and. It's so good. It just is just the way he is there, but not there. And yeah, I'm just repeating yeah. what you said because it's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um, And the one thing is, so yeah, we get the usual like, you know, guys talking about, you know, are you going to go to the funeral? Old scratch, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he's really focused on like, why am I not in my usual spot? And that's like his last line before it transitions away from there. Um, I would say one more thing about this scene. I hated all the people there. Like yeah. they made me really dislike all of them. And anytime that happens. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
yeah, you want to hate those guys. I hate the bangers. Um, <laughs> and man, oh man, are you going to hate uh, this next little group of people we meet more? Because this old Joe scene, I think, is almost too much. Like, it almost pushes it too far. It's just on the edge. It's just yeah. on the edge. It, it, it tiptoes going over the line, like being bad. But it's not there because, again, this is all... A- it's a dream, but it's sure. yeah, yeah. It's like a heightened. A lot of this feels like a heightened reality, right? It's the worst possible future in Scrooge's life, yeah. and so th- this sequence is almost entirely in shadow. Like we see very little of the actual setting. All of the actors that they found to play these roles of like the char woman and the laundress and the undertaker's man and old Joe. There's some like uggos. <laughs> they are some, they are some rough looking people for a lot of these shots. I felt like I was watching like a really old production of Macbeth. Okay. Yeah. I could Did see you get that, that vibe? Yeah. Like, like, like a really old kind of classic take on like the witches. I Now that you mention it. Yes. I was getting more of this. Just like, first of all, the shadow was diegetic. Because yeah, they, they yeah. are just in old Joe's place. And it is a scummy looking old Joe's place. Like it is yeah. just the worst. I was getting more of like these just like a bizarre wake. Like I was getting, yeah. like, I was getting like this like bizarre, like, like evil wake, which is always there in the text a little bit. But like they was like, well, the- and a lot of it's like faces, like all their faces are lit from below, which mm-hmm. like really adds this like creep factor. The music is like super like dramatic and, and eerie. It's like a bonfire. Um, it's like a, it's like a camp scene. Like, and all of their performances, like none of them are performing. So, so a lot of times I see this scene performed and they're just these like kind of scummy, but like real people. They're just poor kind of, bad people taking advantage of a situation right. and there's like a, a basic humanity to it there's i this is like demonic it's 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 definitely going for for kind of a a, a wicked feeling you know what i mean this is the dark side of victorian london yeah this is they have all the niceties and the dialogue right but none of actual niceness and charity and love and empathy yeah it is just horrible human beings trying poorly to present like that type of like Victorian air about themselves. Right. I always yeah. give to, which is in the text, right? Like I always yeah, yeah. give too much to women. It's a weakness. This, that, yeah, the, the dialogue, the dialogue is all straight out of the text. It's, and it's, it's I mean, it's, a lot of it's is word for word, but it's it, like any good cover when it's done just a little bit different with a little bit of new edge, it sings better than maybe you even heard it in the original sentence. These are, they are ugly in je- like traditional sense, obviously, but they're ugly in soul, and yeah. that comes through. And the scene, we all know how the scene goes: how the one gives the one the dress shirt, the the rings on is still on the you know the curtains, everything. But the thing that will stick with me to my dying day almost is the last laugh that they all have. Yeah, and there's a great shot towards the end of the scene where they're all kind of like wrapping up, where it's just their hands all like tearing at like whatever little scraps are left of his life. And it really does feel like this is all that his life has come to is just like being sort of divided up for scrap in this crappy little shop. And you just see they're like almost like rodents just like ripping and pulling at stuff. It's an awesome shot. It's so good. The the Pharaohs couldn't take him within Scrooge. What the hell made you think that you could? Okay. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, I always get a laugh at this scene whenever Scrooge says the line where he's like, this man's life was like my own. I get it. And it's like, come on, you come on, man, you you can figure this out. 
Which is why, at least the next thing I see is the corpse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they jump They jump to the corpse. Um, they don't spend a ton of time there. Like, I don't get the impression that he was trying to get him to see what was under the corpse. It's more like, here's this dead man alone on the bed. You brought no up here. No one cares. You brought up said dead man. Let me show you the dead man. Yeah. Now start putting together. It's just like the ghosts have to go through the motions to get him there. Genuine, like in a genuine sense, right? We've got to hit this beat at this moment, Scrooge, so that you are able to get to where we need to go. Yeah. Um, and then we get the tiny Tim is dead scene. So this is heavy. Oh, this, this is-, is really heavy. This, this scene is really well done. Again, I think these, the Cratchit sequences in this are the best Cratchit sequences that I think I've seen in any of these versions that we've watched. Right. I, I mean, I'll always like the Patrick Stewart one for the Cratchit scenes because I still like what they're going for there. But so we we start with Tiny Tim's. I mean, he's he's in his deathbed. He's up there. They're mourning yeah. Tiny Tim. And we only get Bob at the beginning of it, right? And Bob, because Scrooge says, as always, show me some tenderness around death, right? Like, show me that. He goes in, and Bob is as sad as we'll ever see. Bob. Oh, oh, no, no, no! Wait, what? What? what, what, what? You, you're missing some stuff, in cowboy. What am I missing? Yeah. So it starts off with Peter reading the Bible verse from the like he does in the book. So the whole scene is there in the version I watched. So here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. This is all really good because the entire vibe that we get from the family during this sequence is a horrible unimaginable thing has happened to them and they are all putting this brave face on it but it is the exact opposite energy from the scene that we saw of them earlier when they're all together and all excited and whatnot it's somber but they're also like the way that they are performing it's not over the top it's not like a bunch of sad sack really dramatic oh it's so sad that he's dead there's like this there is this practicality there's this reality to it like when someone dies and you're all around trying to like kind of pick through the pieces of what's left you're not just like wallowing in it people are trying to have normal conversations and and it's it is impossible for it to feel normal, even though they're trying to. And that's exactly what happens in the scene. And I'm like, this is a movie from 19 freaking 35. And it is bringing across such truth in the way that this is performed. It's really, really incredible. And Bob comes in and he's like in pretty good spirits, right? He comes in and he says hi to everybody. And, and, you know, talking about like where tiny Tim's grave is. And then he goes into the other room. And for the first time in the scene, when he's alone, he breaks down. And it's such a, like, the his performance in this was a gut punch for me, right? This old, 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 old movie, right? Because it's only when he is away from the family and he doesn't have to keep holding them up that he collapses. Like, him, like his whole role as a father in this family is to hold them all together and to keep their spirits up and to keep them moving through but he can't do it for himself. So wait a minute. Does he do this like in the kitchen or somewhere? Not tiny Tim's room. Yeah. He's yeah. So he only, so then when I see is he's in there and he has, he's sad, but he's still of spirits. So what that says to me, the way you're describing it is not even in front of his son, as he is lying there dead. Will he not show a brave face? Yeah. Like he will. Yeah. Cause, cause what happens is he like, he collapses and he like puts his face in his hands and he looks like he's going to lose it. And then he pulls it back together and he goes into Tim's room. Right. 
and he has and he kind of like has his private moment with Tim and then he comes back out and that's when he's with the family and he's like I've got it pulled back together and uh you know uh I talked to you know uncle to Scrooge's uh nephew Fred today and blah 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 that whole scene plays out and he's kind of like he's gotten it back together and he's going to move forward and it's going to be as okay as it can be and the way that like you watch Bob in this scene move from coming in and being like, I'm going to put a brave face on it to, oh my God, I can't do this to, here's my kid. I'm going to say goodbye to him. Okay, I'm going to go back and support the family. It's like, ah, uh, top-notch Pop Cratchit. This will never happen again. I will make damn sure I never watch the shorter US edit of any version of A Christmas Carol again because I liked this scene beforehand. I effing love it now. And I want more. Uh, and I wanted more of it. And there is more of it. And yeah. I still got that same vibe though, John, even though I didn't get all yeah. of that awesomeness that he is going to put that brave face on. He's going to go out there because he has no other choice. He's yeah. got a wife and five more kids and sure. Two of them are going to be working soon. He still has a family to provide for in freaking Victorian London. The, devil's armpit okay like <laughs> like he like the guy's got no choice but to keep going on and that is why i love bob cratchit yeah there's some really good stuff here and then <sighs> there's, there's there's one thing that i genuinely do not like in this movie and it is the line that scrooge says to transition from this to the graveyard where like we've just watched this scene with such an incredible amount of intention and pathos telling this part of the story and scrooge is like this is really sad. So tell me who's the person who is dead on the bed. And he's like, yeah, but did I die? And it's so frustrating because it almost gets there. It, it's almost perfect. But he just kind of is like, okay, this is really sad. I'm sad that Tiny Tim died. But what about that other thing? And it transitions into the graveyard. I don't feel like I have that scene. It's just a line. The it's just way like the line to transition. From I did one not to the get next. either that line was there or it was changed because I did not get that vibe at all. What I got was determination to change this. What I got from that moment was that Scrooge has seen this Tiny Tim's death and what Bob and his family are going through, right? He has yeah. seen this and he's like, okay, all right, I kind of get this now. I get, I'm a, I, I get how bad I am, I get how awful I am. And I think I know who that is on the bed. At least I'm always hoping that person knows that, right? So okay. Like, so it's like the way I so, interpret yeah, that, it. That could just be a different read. I was just like, I was annoyed that he was just like transitioning to. Well, also you got the full freaking scene. So like yeah. maybe it was too quick compared to how much time you got to stay with Bob before that. Right. To me, yeah. I was still getting quick cut, quick cut, quick cut. So like at that moment, it was almost like Scrooge was like taking ownership of that. He has done this. And then, okay, I've got to finish this, not because I want to get the hell out of here or I want to know what the hell happens to me, because I have work to do. And yeah. he's there. And we get to the graveyard scene, and it's a pretty good graveyard scene. Yeah, yeah. I would say it, it hits it hits the emotional point that it needs to hit. He's no longer in shadow here. No. Right? He's not dead anymore, which I think it, it's a really subtle point. Mm -hmm. Right. But right. like he's stepped out of like that shadow of being dead and gone. Um, the ghost is still a shadow. And the ghost fights Scrooge. Yeah. Because Scrooge is like, I can change this. Right. I can change. Like, this is like, are these the shadows of things that ha will be or, you know, all that stuff. And he goes 
to see the name. Now, does he see the name first before the fight? No, no. He's like, before I look at the name, like, are these, is this what? what will be or is it what can be only like why would you show me this if i'm past all hope and then and the spirit's hand is just like look at the grave look at the grave and he doesn't want to see it and then when he does see it he wants to wipe it away like like he and he he like falls on the grave and he's trying to like scrape the words off he's trying to claw it off almost and there's this really insane brave choice to have scrooge's hand grabbed by the ghost of christmas or is no, it Scro- scrooge scrooge grabs the ghost okay 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 so yeah. yeah 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 and he's like no i'm like this is not what's going to happen ghost i am going to change and it's like okay good good scrooge like you're fighting for it you want because what was he not doing beforehand he wasn't putting effort into his life at all he was becoming the worst version of himself which as someone living alone right now by oneself is very easy to do, okay? Yeah. It's very yeah. easy to not give a crap and just coast along. But no, he's got he's got life in him again. He has seen life again. He wants to fight for Tiny Tim's life and Bob's life and his family's life. And he wants to be connected with Fred. And he's not going to give up. And he's fighting it and he's fighting. And he wakes up from a very intense dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. So one way or the other, and he looks outside and it's, you know, bright, sunny day. And I got to say, Seymour Hicks's like revived Scrooge is like it's like he took a couple shots of Red Bull and he is up out of that bed and he is bouncing around and he is ready to go. And he is excited. He is. It's a one of the best Christmas Day performances I've seen out of any of these Scrooges. Like yeah. he is full of life. He's all over the place. It's. It's right where you need it to be. Not yeah. too, like, I think... It's a, li- it's a little crazy, which is good. Right. Like, it's similar to the way Alistair Sim played it, a little crazy in his own way. Sim maybe is just a little bit closer to where I want the, like, the manic, like, craziness of it to be. Like, I'm all over the place because I love Christmas now, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, Sim's is probably, like, the bat best balance of it, right? But Hicks is not that far behind. And he's jumping around and... His main it, comes- it feels like a big transformation because of how decrepit he was to begin with. He's born again, John, and he's full of yeah. life. And his maid comes in with his breakfast. And there's a really funny beat here where when she comes in, he looks and he's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a slow turn for her, too, because as he's going around, he's going to the window and he's doing the window scene and everything like that. Look at her face. It's, yeah, she kind of like lights up. She's like, "Oh, it's it's a three act. It's a three act story. It's like, oh my god, what the heck is going on? This is beautiful. And like in the Sims version, where we get a little arc for the maid, her maybe she won't go down that path as much anymore. Maybe there's hope for her yeah. because if yeah. she's in a good, if she's not always seeing Scrooge at a hundred percent." maybe she'll have a good future too. I have to imagine that this is one of the things that when they were producing the Alistair Sim one, they were like, we're going to nab this because again, we have him delivering all this dialogue to her instead of just to himself. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And it's fun because he's saying things that are bananas. So she's (laughs) looking at him like who did what all in one night? What are you talking about? Right. Um, 
and it, and the boy on the street is a great cockney boy like he's just yeah. Yeah. it's funny as all heck like and then we get we of course he does you know go get the goose and all that stuff but then when he comes back with the shop owner they're waiting outside for scrooge oh there's another thing that was cut here because there's a whole bunch of business here that's really goofy so all right so um he sent he sends this kid out and the kid goes over to the butcher's shop and um he's like hanging around the front of the shop and no one's there like he can't get in right and then you flash back to scrooge and scrooge is like shaving and he's having a great time and then the kid comes back right and meets scrooge at the door and scrooge is like what what's going on and the kid's like and i don't i don't remember there being dialogue here but the kid's like pointing so they go back to the shop and scrooge is like oh go knock knock on the door knock on the door and meanwhile scrooge starts making a snowball and the butcher opens the top window and scrooge nails him with a snowball yeah <laughs> hell yeah and then the guy's like what what and and scrooge is like i want to buy your turkey and the guy slams his shutters and all this snow comes falling down off of the roof and lands on scrooge and he's like merry christmas Ah." and then the guy the guy comes out and he's like here's some money i'm gonna buy your turkey and the guy's like "Ah, all right whatever and then scrooge goes back to his house and he like combs his hair and he's getting all dressed and then the guy with the turkey shows up and i guess that's probably where your stuff came in so they cut it's this whole like it's a sequence that doesn't need to be there but it's a ton of fun it's a great playful scrooge and i always love playful scrooge so sad that it's cut it's not as big of a loss as compared to other things because the energy is actually still captured there so if you are looking for stuff to cut that is something you should cut. Yeah, definitely. definitely. But it still works. It's the, the shot. Now I understand why the, the guy was so mad at the damn door. Like he was yeah. like, where is this guy? I haven't any of this. And then yeah. so Scrooge gives the kid money for the cab, the address, I'm assuming on some little piece of paper right there. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. just starts walking through foggy London town, just yeah. saying hi to everybody. And it's, and it's a really good and then he gets to fred's house unless there's yeah. something else well else? he pays he he does run into the charity workers and wow. pay them back and it's a very nice like it's probably the best version of that scene that we've seen so far it's it's really good um this i re- yeah the fred's house scene is really good I, I don't know if it's well so the alistair sim one had that weird thing where he was like much more interested in talking to the niece so i didn't um, like that in that version and I was worried they were going to do it here, but they yeah. don't do it here. So he does the whole thing, you know, Drippy Dog coming in, you know. I, I What I really loved about this, too, is he actually walks in, like, basically in the middle of the scene that we've already so, – the scene that we already saw. So it's like it's the tail end of the joking about him and everything like that? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So he walks in, and we have the normal exchange there. And then I don't know why they made this choice, but I'm very happy they made this choice, John. He just looks at a Christmas tree. Yeah, he kind of like he's like saying Merry Christmas to everybody. He's very bashful about coming in. And then he like wanders over to the tree and is looking at the tree and having this like really powerful, like emotional reaction. And it's real. And it's like just this. Yeah. Like this sad old man who's like finally accepted or like can finally accept some kindness in his life. And you really feel it. He's been missing that how much people care about making it a cool thing. Like the decorations and the the pomp and everything. Like that's the ceremony. It's all, he hasn't had any of that. Go back to the beginning of the movie. Even the two extremes, he's not having any of it. He's not. 
He's not a kid I, on the I, street, and he's not the in the in like the. He could be probably at that London party. Yeah, yeah. I I do get the impression that he also feels like slightly unworthy because Fred oh, goes yeah. over and like brings him back. It's and it and it, I, it was more than I thought this movie was actually capable of for the time period it was released. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised across the board. I think by by sequences like this. Well, we get a great transition here. We get so we get uh, Scrooge comes back to the table. They're about to have the feast, and we see them starting to cut their bread. So, but we use that as it's happening at Fred's party, right? To actually, oh yeah, have, to transition into the Cratchits because they were doing the same thing. And yeah. it was like okay, and it's Christmas, it's Boxing Day, and Bob's running late, and and Mrs. Cratchit reminds him of it. I know, yeah. Which I did. Did you half expect? Because Bob's like lollygagging. He's just like, oh yeah, I guess I'd better get to work. He's like, this Bob's a little bit of like a a little bit of a train wreck. He he doesn't seem to have like a real sense of like time and where he's got to be. Did you expect him to open the door and to have Scrooge just standing there? I wouldn't have mind it. I wouldn't have mind it. It's not a. It would have been kind of cool, but I wasn't expecting it. That, that's what you thought was going to happen. I I had a. I didn't because this movie had hewed so close to like the original text for the most part. But I did expect a tiny little bit for there to be like a, he goes to open the door because he's running late and Scrooge is there like because there's other versions that have done that where he shows up right like mm-hmm. the Albert Finney one he showed up there I think it happens in the Mickey Mouse one what what we haven't watched that one yet John yeah that's true <laughs> I'm just saying looking, I'm looking into the future a little bit um, but yeah so he so Bob goes or Bob goes to work and. Scrooge is there kind of like peeping through the window, like waiting for him to show up. And a great book end to this uh, movie. He's in the same exact position he was in before. And he's using the mirror again to spy on Bob, but not because he's watching him because he's so gleeful with the joke that he's about to play on him. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's a really good turnaround. And and it's funny because anytime you get a shot of his face, if if his back is to Bob, he's like pulling a sly little like, ooh, I'm, I'm such a naughty boy, <laughs> like kind of face as he's reaming him out. As somebody who has gone through bouts of depression in their life, when you come to the other side of them and you are able to deal with with how depressed you were and yet how lucky you are to be on the other side of it, that childhood joy. And I'm in the midst of it right now and it's freaking awesome. Like I'm feeling that Scrooge vibe right now. So this movie hit me at like the best possible moment. Yeah. And yeah. it is just, I get that. I get that like little like childful, like I'm playing a joke that nobody else is going to think is funny besides me, but I'm having so much a good time with it. So I I don't know if it was getting so emotionally invested in Bob earlier in the movie, but this reconciliation between Bob and Scrooge, I think, is my favorite one we've seen so far. Like, it really hits, like, when Scrooge says to him, like, a merrier Christmas, my boy, than I've given you in many a year, you really feel like he means it. And it's all Seymour Hicks delivery, right? He right. really delivers that heartfelt sincerity and regret, but also joy that he can finally do this. Right. And he sends him out to, like, get to, I think he just sends him home. He's like, he gives him the day here. off. Yeah, yeah he's he, like, he, take the day off, which is better than he even does in the text, honestly. Right, like, he's like, and which is, it's like, it's back pay for, like, all the crappy Christmases. He probably made him rush back to the next day anyway. And, like, and he says, I'm going to be like a second father to Tim, which is a little, it's a little forced. Yeah, that was, 
Especially because he does not know that Tiny Tim exists as far as Bob knows. Bob never mentioned him. Well, no, he says he he, he is aware of how many kids he has. And so maybe he... But, that, but, but that's it. <laughs> he doesn't say the name Tiny Tim I, anywhere I, in that I, exchange. I, I still stand by the possibility like he's just overheard these names. And in his subconscious, he doesn't register them because he's not honest enough with himself to know that he really does care about other people so yeah that second father line really does have to come from a narrator though it's really weird like it's very presumptuous for you to be like hey employee i'm gonna be another father to your kid but you know what i will say for this movie i buy it from seymour hicks sure because at this time period the 1800s a rich powerful man would have that type of arrogance to say a line like that sure even with everything that scrooge has gone through and seen he doesn't kind of understand like how that kind of comes across in a way and how like sure and how kind of inappropriate that is. He's just looking at it with the best of intentions. Yeah. So while to me, yeah, it's tough. It like to me it reads like a clumsy attempt to it get is. that to get that phrase in there somehow without having to have a narrator. And maybe I'm doing some mental like gymnastics. Well, you have to at a certain to point, make it right? work, right? But like I still think it 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 lands there. It, I do feel this is a little rushed at the end there. I wish this had as much time to breathe as the first scene. Maybe not as much, yeah. but enough time to breathe. But I love Scrooge sending him home. I love him just being like, "No, take the day off. You've you, we we've got some we got work to do, buddy. But you know what? Go home. I'm sure you got some leftovers after that damn bird the other day. Hey, you know what? Eat the bird you already ate the day before. You know, but then I'm going to raise your salary and stuff like that. Like, did now? Did you get the ending little coda where Scrooge goes to church with Bob? What? <laughs> yeah. So my version ends with he sends Bob out, and you hear Hark the Herald Angels sing playing, and then the last shot is Scrooge walking into a church, and you see all these people like singing and they're like like you know singing a hymn or whatever and he steps into the pew and bob is there and he and bob share the hymnal and that's the the last shot of the movie is them singing together what the heck man (laughs) damn that's a much better ending than what i got i just got him saying god blesses everyone which of course is how the novella ends yeah yeah but like it's yeah like like i didn't get tiny tim saying it so it really didn't have the same weight this is a great ending this is, I'm about to flip something over because I'm so mad I didn't get that ending. We gotta. It's that. Sh- it's that shady producer guy. He got a look, hold of this. Look, we Americans chep- separation of film and church, so we can't have. What we gonna have a move with a church in this movie? Heck no! All right, cut, cut God out. Uh, <laughs> all right, we gotta still say God blesses everyone. All right, we'll just say like one time. All right, like, all right, we won't. Wait, wait, wait. We're gonna celebrate Jesus? I ah, forget that crap. <laughs> I am. I want to know who edited this movie in America or whatever, however this edit came about, and smack him upside the head. Oh, pray with it sail those ships all three on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. Oh, pray with it sail those ships all three on Christmas Day in the morning. That kind of brings it to an end. Yeah. So, Jim, I have a couple questions for you. Hit me with it. What is going to take your Christmas turkey for this version of A Christmas Carol? There is a lot, John, honestly. And I haven't, I'm still debating in my head because, I mean, of course, Seymour Hicks is up there. And I, and I don't want to not pick him because we always try to, you know, we all, Scrooge is such a go-to one, right? And, of course, Bob, I'm kind of known for picking my Bob Cratchits or my Mrs. Cratchits. 
I think what I'm going to pick in this version, I'm uh, screw it. I'm going with Seymour Hicks. I gotta, I, I have to go with this performance because I wasn't expecting what I got. And what I got knocked me on my butt, dude, this, his performance is, it has an arc. I, I mean, and not just because, yeah, the no, totally. not just because the text says he has an arc. He really does change from the, in the first third of the movie, when he is pre dream Scrooge, he is a completely different character than from when he is interacting with the ghosts, right? And then, yeah. of course, in the end of the movie, he is the best possible version of himself. And they're all distinct. They're all different. But they're all the same. And that's hard to do for a Scrooge. He makes interesting choices here and there. He owns any decision Scrooge makes. If Scrooge t- says, go shut them up outside, I'm Ebenezer Scrooge. He's owning that command. He's owning how he's browbeating Mar- uh, uh, Cratchit. He's owning the fear of Marley. He's owning the regret of Bell. Everything is who Scrooge is. And it, of course, that it has to be that way because he's played it since, you know, for 30 years, over 30 years at this point. So yeah. if anybody knows this part, it's Seymour Hicks. And that's why I got to give him my Christmas turkey. John, who's going to get your Christmas turkey? Um, so my Christmas turkey is going to go to to the Cratchit scenes. Yeah. To to the Cratchit family scenes. And so here's why. Uh, the Cratchit family scenes are almost always my least favorite scenes in A Christmas Carol. Really? I think, yeah. So, But here's why. I think that they are important from a storytelling perspective. They tend to be long. And they tend to be a lot of people being really sweet and nice to each other. And I don't think there's anything wrong with either of those two things. But in a movie like A Christmas Carol, where it's like, there are just other things that I like more in A Christmas Carol, just on an individual level. And a a Cratchit scene has to really sell me on the, the, the impending tragedy and the way in which these characters are going to deal with that tragedy to really get me to buy into it. Mm-hmm. And this is the first version that we have seen where I felt pulled in by the way that these scenes were performed, where I didn't feel like I was just like, all right, and now we got to get through the nice sweet Cratchit scene so that we can get onto stuff that's more interesting. Um, I it really, I really felt it from Bob's performance, the family dynamics, um, the heaviness and the and the truth of the way that they handled Tiny Tim's death, um, these were just really standouts to me, and they made the ending feel really impactful. So my Christmas turkey goes to to the Cratchit household scenes in this version. I agree with that as well. I that was that was one of the things I was debating. Like that was great. Yeah. Um. So on on the inverse, this might be tricky with this one. Yeah. What is going to get a, a lump of coal? for you this christmas season john i'm sorry but i'm gonna cheat here i'm gonna say my call goes to the 17 minutes missing from my version of the movie because hot let's say whoever made that editing choice yeah whoever made that (laughs) editing choice gets the coal because it it, for whatever you what from everything you described to me john maybe it makes it longer but it doesn't make it any worse everything everything i would say it it enriches it it enriches it and it it makes it a, a, a more complete film honestly and like we get more scrooge post the dream like we get him playful and we see his influence on others and we also with that little scene you talked about with the with the uh, the butcher right we get and i always like when this is in there and there's a here and a few other little scenes earlier on um 
that Scrooge is not the only one who doesn't quite get the spirit of the holiday and is not the best, you know, not putting their best foot forward. Like the butcher sure. seems like, the- I mean, to be fair, if I woke up to a snowball in the face on Christmas morning, I'd be a little bit PO'd probably. Right. Right. Fair enough. I haven't seen the snowball actually hit the face because the editor took it out of my version, but I digress. I, I, I still like when versions of a Christmas Carol show us the whole spectrum of the season in the community. Sure, definitely. John, what gets your coal? So I think uh, this is a pretty light coal, but I'm going to give it to the Ghost of Christmas Past sequence. I just think if if there was one thing I wanted to see done a little bit differently to make this like a really definitive version, Mm -hmm. it would be to show me a little bit more of how Scrooge got to be where he is. I need to be able to sympathize with him. And if if this was the only version of A Christmas Carol I had ever seen, I think I would have felt like, so he was just, he's just always been a jerk. Like, why is he a jerk? Give me, I need, I need something a little bit Freudian. Like I need a little bit of, of psychoanalysis of how this guy got to this place. But honestly, that's a pretty light cult. Like, I, I don't think that, I don't think this movie is broken or suffers by missing that. But I think it's the one thing in this film that I was like, oh, I would have liked if that was there, but I can live without it, I guess. Um, so would you say that this is a movie you see in your Christmas future or is this going to stay in your Christmas past? This is in my Christmas future. Hell yeah. Not only because I'm going to seek out and find the 17 minute version of it, which I'm going to do, but I'm also going to watch this one maybe every year. I, I, yeah. I, I honest, I, which uh, John, I got to be honest, I might have said Christmas future, like one or two of these other ones. This one I am going to watch again every season. I mean, it'll be on in the background when I'm doing something at the holidays. I might show this with some friends. This is a this is a this is one you could watch with friends and laugh at some things that have not that anything has aged poorly because it actually, like I said, it's pretty freaking competent. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, where it ages poorly is just in like the melodrama. Yeah. that I think we've just kind of moved away so, from. So you can like, laugh at that with friends if you want to invite people over, have some you know punch, and just like, hey, let's watch this really good, but like old version of a christmas carol just like we can talk through it but like get quiet at the really good moments this is in my future john is this in your christmas future or in your past so i've gone back and forth on this a little bit i I think that i think that i'm going to put this in my warmly regarded past i don't know that i'm gonna watch this again i think it's really good Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I think there are other versions of this that being more contemporary, I just enjoy more. Like I don't, it's, it's a tricky thing with movies from this era. Like there are some that I really, really love. And, and there are some where the, just the age of them kind of makes them like, I'm not, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch this. If this is on and, and I'm like channel surfing or something, if that's a thing people still do, I might watch it. Or if like we are hanging out around the holidays and we want to put it on totally. I don't know if this is one that I would seek out, but I definitely will like keep it in kind of a special place because it was a very, very good version. I agree. I agree. I, I get what you're saying there. And I think that there are good versions of Christmas Carol that we have watched where I have not put it in the future for that same reason. So I totally get yeah. what you're talking about there. But for me, I this just, it was like a Tyson punch that I didn't see coming, man. This just threw me for a loop and I was out yeah. for the count. And I, and I enjoyed myself watching it. And I haven't enjoyed watching a Christmas Carol in a long time. I mean, okay, relatively speaking. <laughs> well, we're 17 episodes into this. <laughs> but honestly, John, we walk into this and most, ver- I mean, Ghost of Christmas, Ghost of Girlfriend's Past was, while a 
how do I say this? A uh, troubled movie in some respects. Still sure. was an enjoyable experience to watch, right? Sure, definitely. Well, uh, um, I, maybe next week will surprise us. What are we watching next week, James? John, we are watching a Christmas Carol. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Specifically, we're going to dive into the House of Mouse and enjoy Mickey's Christmas Carol, the first version of A Christmas Carol that I ever saw. Wow. So this will be a really interesting experience. Wow. It might have been for me as well. It was definitely one of the first two. Like I, It was this yeah. and probably... The Finney version that I saw first, because that one was, uh, we said, my grandparents had the VHS, but this is the one I remembered. This yeah. is, this is iconic, okay? Because th- we'll get into it next week, but the Scrooge McDuck character playing Ebony Scrooge, it's a, I, I, it doesn't sound like a stroke of genius, but it is a stroke it's of a, genius. It's a, it's a slam dunk. Yeah. It's really good. Oh, let's, I can't wait, John. Yeah. Let's get to next week. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, well, if you have uh, thoughts about Mickey's Christmas Carol or about uh, 1935 Scrooge or anything we talk about here on the show, you are welcome to shoot us an email at jacobmarleyisdead at gmail.com and let us know. We will happily read people's thoughts and opinions on the air if you have something interesting to share. Um, you can also obviously follow us on Twitter, on Instagram at Marley is Dead Pod. Uh, follow our Facebook page. Um, yeah. James, what else can people do if they want to support the show? Well, these wonderful, kind, beautiful people who listen to this podcast could go to iTunes and leave us a five star, five star, five star, five star, five star review. Please do it. It helps us out so much. I don't get like the whole way the algorithms work on iTunes. I don't get it, but I know it matters. And you know it matters because every podcast asks you to do it. So do it for us. We're just two schlubs just trying to have some fun. And you're having fun listening to us, right? Right? Leave that five-star review. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Um, Thank you also to Ben DeVries for our opening, closing, and interstitial music. Uh, Thank you to Milo Newman for our great uh, podcast cover artwork. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in every week as we ride the highs and sink to the lows that a christmas carol has to offer we Um, we needed this one john like honestly like before we sign off like we had been on such a cold streak like and next week i i spoilers i know i'm gonna enjoy it but like i I can't wait (laughs) yeah yeah well we've got some stuff coming up too uh we got some stuff in the pipeline that that is going to be a lot of fun so tune in next time and until then as tiny tim observed God bless us, ships come sailing everyone on Christmas Day in the morning.